Living in Canberra, still largely a public service town, many of you will have come across and perhaps even undertaken courses on coaching as one way to develop your skills and confidence in the workplace. But what is coaching and how does it all work? Our guest is well known to subject ACT listeners, but this time she's on the other side of the desk. Kim Vella is a subject ACT presenter, but her other hat is as an executive career coach. And Kim joins us to help us navigate the field of executive coaching and what it's all about. Kim, thank you very much for coming in. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much, Sophie. Thanks for inviting me. Let's start on a tangent. Kim, what does it feel like to be on the other side of the desk? (laughs) Well, it's actually really exciting because I I do love hearing people's stories, but as a presenter, you have to kind of curb your enthusiasm and not let your excitement get in the way of the other person telling their story. So maybe I can unleash a little bit of my excitement today. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) (laughs) So look, if we can set some definitional context, Mm In my previous life as a public servant, I spent many years in learning and development and one of the perennial debates Mm. was the difference between coaching and mentoring. So, Kim, can you settle this matter for us once and for all? I sure can. This is an important question and many people confuse coaches and mentors. They are definitely not the same thing. Let me tell you what a quality executive career coach does. They help you dig deep and develop your own insights and strengthen your ability to make decisions when a mentor isn't around. So it's about being able to go forward and confidently uh, respond to situations in the absence of guidance or advice. So we use open questioning techniques and help facilitate our clients' own thinking. And in this way, it's quite a holistic approach and we're focusing on the, the future as well. It's about a way of being. A mentor doesn't perform this same role. They share their experience in specific career trajectories and they can help you advance your career but it will be based on their own experiences and their own judgments and advice which is great to have I think everyone does need a mentor and a coach and a mentor will answer questions and focus on helping you out today and teaching you what they know it's kind of like an old hand teaching a new hand how to do what they've done and how to succeed in the way that they have succeeded so the the key difference is that an executive career coach excels at helping you deal with your brain when it's packed with intrusive thoughts that come from all directions and refuse to go away and thoughts that might make you anxious or stop you from focusing, whereas that's not the role of a mentor at all. So would you say a mentoring relationship is one where the mentor drives the process, whereas in coaching it's the coachee who drives the process? Definitely. And so let's talk about who is exactly the expert in those two relationships. The mentor is the expert. When you're dealing with a mentor, you're looking to them for expertise. With an executive career coach, you are the expert. The client is the expert and the client is setting the agenda and the executive coach is helping you achieve clarity, uh, calmness, mindfulness and concentration. And there are different types of coaches. So what's the difference between an executive career coach as opposed to a coach? Yes, say like a life coach. Yeah. So an executive career coach has qualifications, skills and knowledge about the work place and the business context and a life coach doesn't have that they are focused more on the non-work related aspects of being the underpinning skills that you would need as a coach would be shared across yes executive career or life coach yes 
we might use different tools and we'll have a different focus. With the executive coaching, we do focus on whole of life because so much of our work values, our work priorities cut across all areas of our lives. We do have to have that holistic focus, but at the end of the day, it's about what people want to achieve in their careers through their careers. Kim, before establishing your executive coaching business, you worked for many years as a senior executive in the public service and also at ANU, and please correct me if I'm wrong. What was the catalyst for you to take what was a life-changing leap and effectively reinvent yourself? Yeah, I suppose there were three things. The first was that my mother in late 2010 was diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma. It's a very rare form of cancer. When she was diagnosed, we also found out that she had advanced stage four cancer. And at that time, there was no effective treatment for uh, renal cell carcinoma. And I decided to be with my mum for what turned out to be the last 16 weeks of her life, 24-7. Goodness. And when I returned to work... It was as if I'd already done, how do I Your put Your life this? had already changed. Yes, yeah. my life had changed significantly. And a couple of months later, I was diagnosed with an unruptured brain aneurysm. And so not only had my mum passed away, but I became aware that I also had... The tenuous grip on life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I really felt like my most important work in my life, and still to this day was caring for my mum at the end of her life. And the work that I was doing, it was difficult for it to have the same sense of importance. And it wasn't really until a couple of years later that I had a car accident. And in that car accident, I actually thought I was going to die. In fact, I was amazed (laughs) that I was alive. (laughs) And then I was sitting on the side of the road thinking, well, that wasn't in my, I didn't plan that. Who does? No one plans a car accident. So that was the thought that went through your mind as the accident was happening? After it. Oh, as it was happening, I just thought, no, there's no chance. And I was literally amazed, like just gobsmacked that I could still feel my hands. And I was like, I'm here. Oh, my God, how did this happen? I'm still here. You know, is everyone else still here? But I sat on the side and thought, that wasn't in my plan. And then I thought, well, no one plans this kind of thing. And then I sort of thought, what am I doing? And the process of recovering from that car accident, it was difficult. It was a long process and I needed a whole range of people supporting me. And through that process, I realized that I needed to think about what in my life and what in my work do I really love? What could I do without any pay? If I was in that position, and of course I wasn't, but if I was, it was to develop people and support people and to help people understand what their purpose is in life, what their values are, and how to match them in a meaningful way while they're making their income. And so that's what I decided to do myself. That sense that you needed to take a new road must have had some fear attached to it. So moving into a different space Mm. must have been in itself a very challenging process. You would think so. The honest truth is that the process of recovering from the car accident was more difficult than my career change. That's partly because it's difficult in and of itself. And it's partly because the workplace had different priorities than fully supporting me to get back to work. Combined with my really strong 
then appreciation that I wanted to focus on helping other people. When I did uh, finally make the decision to leave, I thought to myself, Kim, you might get a little bit of anxiety about not being in this large institution anymore. (laughs) And, you know, so when you hit the send button, don't worry about how you respond, have a cup of tea, rest, relax, etc. I didn't. And in fact, I thought, where is that orchestra? When are they going to start (laughs) popping the champagne? (laughs) So I felt quite relieved. I was in a state of disbelief. I thought, okay, maybe it'll, that will change. It never did. And I have so much appreciation and gratitude to the public service. I worked there for two decades and I'm still working with the public (laughs) service and I really enjoy it. But I'm working in a way and with a purpose that is closer to to not being a job. And so there are days, and I had one of these days recently, where I'll be doing something mundane, making a cup of tea, hanging out the clothes, feeding the dog, whatever. And I'll think, oh, I'm so glad I don't work. (laughs) (laughs) And I just sort of like a record scratch go, what? (laughs) No, 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 no. Well, that's a lovely sensation to have and then realise, actually, I do work. I do work. (laughs) Of course I work. I get paid. Uh, But I get joy. And I I must say, I don't know that I really got joy from a paid job before. Well, that's a wonderful thing to be able to say. Obviously, the death of your mum and then your own illnesses in the car accident gave you some incredible insights into how you can help others and and support others. What's the relationship like between a coach and a coachee? Mm, I love that question. One way of exploring that is to look at or listen to what people say about the coaching experience. And every time I hear this, and I, I honestly, I just received a gift half an hour before. It's this fantastic little... Oh, that's very cute. (laughs) It's a stapler, but you don't need staples. It came from Japan. My goodness. I know. Isn't it gorgeous? For those who can't see it, it's a lovely bright Bright pink. pink. It's my favourite colour. it's got a lovely smooth action. Very smooth and and very gripping. I've tested it already. It's, It's really great. So I received this gift this morning from a client who I worked with last year and halfway through the coaching process the client received some news about the workplace as most public servants in Canberra now do about fundamental changes to the workplace and a reduction in the number of staffing and I've worked with the client to figure out what she wanted to do going forward. Her career's been very successful since then and I credit it to her her hard work, her determination and her clear-mindedness. And she's still very grateful for the role that I played in that. And when people say to me, oh, thank you so much for everything you did, I sort of look at them and say, you did everything. I'm so grateful that people have appreciation for what I do. But at the end of the day, the client is the one who's doing the hard work. I'm there to support. And I imagine that over the course of that process, that there'd be a closeness that is built up. Yeah, and a trust. And an honesty. Oh, and an honesty, yeah. I really admire my clients because they are very honest. And I mean, I don't take that for granted. Their confidentiality is absolutely paramount. But they are very honest with me. And that's how I'm able to know what to do and how to help them. And that kind of honesty is really, I think, really important in the coaching relationship. While I would always say to people, when you're looking for a coach, 
remember this, that the coaching industry is unregulated. I would also say remember that the coaching chemistry is very important. So let me talk about those two things. With the coaching industry being unregulated, what it means is that anyone can call themselves a coach and that's fine. But to get the best outcome, and that is to not be told what to do, but to have the skills and the insights within you strengthened and developed so that you can make your own deliberate decisions, you want to look for a coach who has a few things. One, qualifications, coaching specific qualifications. Two, the certification from the International Coaching Federation, because that means that they've also signed up to the code of ethics. And when you've got an accredited coach, it means your coach is truly professional and belongs to that body, that international oversight body, which has complaint mechanisms and a strong commitment to excellence in coaching. So we have very specific annual professional development requirements that we have to meet. And these are ongoing requirements. So ask your coach, have you signed the pledge of ethics? Not everyone has. Ask them, are you accredited? Not everyone is. Are you qualified? Do you have coach-specific qualifications? Not everyone does. But let's talk a little bit about this kind of personality match or the chemistry. I think you need to think about the coach's personality. Is their personality a match for yours? It has to be if the relationship's going to produce results for you. This is an important relationship. And how quickly do you get a sense of whether the chemistry, the right chemistry is there? Straight away. Okay. (laughs) Straight away. Yeah. What I find interesting is that a lot of people can tell by reading my website. So I'm really pleased that I do have a website that articulates and conveys who I am to people. And people say that to me. And then when they meet me, that's a confirmation of that. Are there occasions where that relationship breaks down, that there was a healthy dynamic and then there's some trigger and that relationship breaks down? I've not had that experience. I've not encountered that as a coach. I have encountered that as a client. That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And that again would have given you some insight. It did. So, you know, over the course of 20 years in the public service, like you mentioned earlier, we all hear about coaching and some of us have access to it. And I did have access to a lot of coaching. And one of the times when as a client, that relationship broke down was when the coach yelled at me in a meeting with other people present. That's quite bizarre. Yeah. They immediately apologised after the meeting, but the relationship had changed significantly. Yeah, I can imagine in that instant. Yeah. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Subject ACT on People Powered Radio, 2XXFM 98.3. This is your community radio and we need your support. Visit our website to subscribe, donate or become a sponsor at 2XXFM.org. We're in conversation with Kim Vella, well-known Subject ACT presenter, speaking with us about life as an executive career coach. I'm Sophie Singh and it's lovely to have your company. Kim, do you find that in the process of coaching individuals, there has a flow on to you in terms of own reflections? Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Right across the continuum from small impact to big impact. So just... On a small scale level, last year I was coaching someone in the non-government sector and she was looking at strategies 
to help her improve her work-life balance, but more importantly, achieve goals at home that had been deprioritized because of the, the pressures and the tiredness that she felt when she got home. She came up with this great idea. She was going to spend five minutes every evening tidying. I went home and instantly... <laughs> started implementing her strategy <laughs> and it was great it was so wonderful I still do it to this day <laughs> oh that's a lovely example <laughs> and then sort of more macro or whole of life way of looking at things I have a client who is in the private sector and I'm supporting her to do some private sector related sort of entrepreneurial type career goals and she really inspired me because there's one exercise that we've been doing where we're looking at 100 aspirations and I'll be honest I got stuck after about 10 or 12 I'm doing them too and it was because it's not where I am at in terms of my development as a person to talk about aspirations and she was looking at it in terms of the values that she wanted to embody and it really clicked with me it kind of spoke to me and it was much easier for me to fill in and complete that exercise when I looked at it in terms of my 100 values really stripping it back to the Mm. the real fundamentals Mm. I get something out of every particular client relationship and I have that just profound sense of support you know yes I'm supporting them but their appreciation yeah. it's magical so there's a symbiotic relationship it really is yeah. it really is yeah. mentioning the exercise of the uh, 100 aspirations is a nice segue into my next question and that is looking I suppose at the at the nuts and bolts of the coaching process and what that looks like you mentioned you know people are coming to you for a range of different reasons to get better work-life balance to give them the tools to to realize their potential and so on so let's say as a scenario I come to you I'm not happy in my job but I'm not confident to apply for other jobs yep walk us through you know what that process might be yep absolutely so the first thing that we will do is to look at your values. Take a step back. Here's the thing about values. They don't change a lot over the course of your life, but what can happen is you will prioritise different values at different times, different life stages, and as different events occur in your career. So, for instance, I prioritised when I was younger financial security, and I prioritised that so much that it became the driving value for me in my work life. And that meant career advancement, increases in salary, increases in responsibility. And I never stopped to check in with myself whether that was still the most important value until my mum passed away. And that's when I started to understand that it wasn't and that there were other more important values. But I don't want people to have to go through those really profound life experiences to take stock and to have that opportunity to reflect. So we do that. We look at the values. And it is single-handedly the most useful exercise to kick off that whole conversation about your career. And people are not wildly surprised but relieved that they've taken the opportunity to reflect and to reprioritize because there's always a reprioritization that's the interesting thing about it it's not that they suddenly realize that they're 
they're actually person X, but they've been living as person Y. But it's more a reprioritization yeah. and yeah. that it's okay now. They can shift and that can lead to sector changes, private to non-government, private to public. It can lead to career or industry changes. It just basically leads to a fundamental realignment and empowerment. Will that process generally run over an extended period of time? Can you do a coaching session in a very short duration or even a one-off? That's a really good question because people have called me asking for one-off coaching sessions. And that's a conversation. And yet, you know, anyone can have a coaching conversation. Sure. We could have a conversation in five minutes or an hour, but it's not that whole of life, whole of person focus, executive coaching process. That would occur over a six session program. Yep. So, yep, we can all have coaching conversations and I can do that in a one-off time frame, but that's that's a very different service. It's not something that I do. I normally refer people who might need that to counselling. Given that the coaching process really relies on the coachee, the client, looking at themselves and, and going into themselves to draw out their own experiences and so on, in some ways that's quite contrary to the experience that a lot of people would have on a daily basis in the workplace where (laughs) it's much more you're given an instruction and that's what you have to do. And I think particularly if you're in an organisation that's risk averse, then the instructions become very prescriptive. Yes. So do people find it a challenge to shift that mindset? So two things. One, within the coaching conversation. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. Within the coaching process. process. Yes and no. In the sense that people who are committed to a coaching process really want that openness and so they're fully committed which is the trigger for yeah. them to get in contact in yeah the first place. yeah so I did have someone who in the last two years who wasn't fully committed and wanted to be partly committed and wanted me to be partly committed and I sort of said look for this to work for you we both need to be fully committed I'm fully committed and when you get to that stage then you know, we can start. So how did you sense that this person wasn't fully committed? Was it in how they approached it or they said, I'm ambivalent? (laughs) They didn't say it up front, I'm ambivalent, but they wanted to negotiate little outs and little clauses and, you know, what if I don't like it? What if I don't want to do it? And I sort of said, look, if you don't like it, if you don't like working with me, then we can address that. But the actual coaching process, the process of entering into a coaching relationship, we need to be fully committed. And the funny thing was it took one session for that person to say, oh, my God, thank you so much for helping me get here. Again, it sort of surprises me. I have so much wonder that people get so much out of the coaching session. I know I got so much out of my coaching sessions, but I feel very privileged to be able to be doing the same now for other people. It must be really satisfying. Oh, it's so satisfying. It's so satisfying. I can't tell you. It really is. Oh, that's wonderful, Kim. Look, we're almost at the end, but I I didn't want to let you go without uh, asking about the network that you founded, the Network of Possibilities, uh, which I love the name, Network of Possibilities. is just I think it's a lovely uh, name. Tell us about the network and what it does and what its aims are. Yep, yep. So with the Network of Possibility, 
I was at a, a networking function one evening and I thought, well, this is great. This is nice. But there was something that it wasn't tapping into. It was all about getting up and acknowledging the great work of people, women in particular. But there was all there was a whole focus on being or projecting a certain image and being a certain way in the world. And a little bit competitive, if I'm completely honest. And I thought about all the women who would be entitled to come along and celebrate their achievements, but who might be a little bit daunted by that pressure. And I've, I've thought about women also who wanted to work more in for purpose areas than for profit And that's when I decided to start this philanthropic network of possibility where you can come and you can talk about and celebrate things that don't go well as much as things that do go well. And rather than focusing on how much profit you've made, how great you are, we focus on what you can give back to the community. It's non-threatening. It's relationship-driven. In the early days, people would give feedback about how you need to set up spaces for business cards to exchange, be exchanged and for people to give their business pitches. And it's not about that at all. It's about understanding who we are as people, what we want to give to the community, getting to know us through those relationships and then figuring out, you know what, we could do this together outside. We could do this together. And that's kind of a more non-threatening neutral space we're creating that neutral space for those conversations i think it sounds like that sense of of community yeah uh, and collective purpose yes yeah yeah it's more inclusive yeah and you come together as a group rather than as a as a set of of individuals absolutely Kim, look, it's been a real pleasure having you here. It's been really lovely talking thank to you. you. So Sophie. thank you very much for coming in. Thank and you. I look forward to speaking more with you about this. So thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much.